Please listen carefully, 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 carefully. See them tumbling down, pledging their love to the ground. Lonely but free I'll be found, drifting along with the tumbling tumbleweeds. Cares of the past are behind, nowhere to go but I'll find, just where the trail will Welcome to this episode of the Utterly Moderate Podcast. I'm Lawrence Eppard, here with my co-host, Allie Dagnus. Those beautiful harmonies you've just heard come from the track Tumbling Tumbleweeds from the album Silver Jubilee from the Riders in the Sky, America's favorite cowboys, who continue on their perennial quest to bring good beef to hungry people. On today's episode, we're joined by two members of the Riders in the Sky, guitarist Ranger Doug, governor of the great state of rhythm, who sings lead and baritone vocals with an ever-present grin and warm twinkle in his eye, and upright bunkhouse bassist Too Slim, easily the sharpest wit in the West, a man who ages like fine cheese, and an accomplished rumor monger who's inspired thousands to whack out tunes on their faces. Welcome to the show, riders. Can you believe that this fall... You are coming up on your 44th anniversary as a group. No. <laughs> I can't believe it. Is that right? The brutal arithmetic says that this will be the 44th. So did you guys start when you were 10 or 11? I heard a guy keeping great rhythm in another womb. And I said, that's, <laughs> that, that's for me. Ranger Doug, for those in our audience who don't know, you are an accomplished yodeler. And I was wondering if you could start this interview by talking about how you learned that you were so good at yodeling. Well, I don't know. I just uh, fooled around trying to sound like Tarzan and found that I could do it. And then uh, my uncle could yodel and I thought it was kind of a cool sound. And so I... When the big folk scare of the 60s hit, I could sing like Jimmy Rogers, and that made me a pretty cool guy. So I just developed it from there. And then I discovered a man named Elton Britt, who blew the top of my head off with his yodeling. It was the most phenomenal thing I ever heard. And I played his uh, records endlessly, trying to trying, <laughs> trying to learn what he was doing. Would you, would you be able to give us a, just a little taste? Well, I'm not too warmed up, but I'll give you what I can do. That was awesome. Oh my gosh, I just love it. Thank you very much. We should give you a minute to get your to get your voice back. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ranger Doug. And too slim, I believe you can play your face. And I got to know, how did you learn that you could do that? I just always could do it. You know, I, when I was a when I was a kid, I'd be in school. You know, you know, and it could make a. And I found out I could change the the pitch, and so then from the pencil to 
it was a short uh, hop to the theme from, say, Leave It to Beaver. <laughs> I know the whole thing, but that, folks won't sit still for more than 10 or 15 minutes of this. So. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. That is so impressive. <laughs> this career, you wouldn't like design this career. You wouldn't say this is going to work, but because the chemistry that Ranger Doug and I have and Woody and Joey, and, and so it works. We, we all bring something different to the band and that complements each other. And it turns out we entertain each other. And have a really good time, and that communicates to the audience. Can I ask a follow-up question to the to the face playing, and then another question after this, which is: Does sure. does it hurt your face? Does your do your cheeks uh, hurt? Uh, no, okay. it's uh, I've built calluses through the years, and yet your skin looks so smooth. See, <laughs> I like it. How did you guys meet? Can you tell us your origin story? Sure, Ranger Doug. Go ahead and tell us our origin story. <laughs> well, I went um, out to the front yard to uh, throw the ball around with my little daughter, Liza Jane, and this three weird hippie songwriters had just moved in next door. And one of these guys saunters over and says, uh, you uh, like baseball? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, I noticed you're wearing a Detroit Tigers cap. Are you a Tigers fan? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know who number six was? You mean the great Al Kaline? Sure, I know. <laughs> and so we, we've been best friends ever since. <laughs> that's that's exactly true. Uh, so the three hippies were you and Woody Paul and Joey the Cow Polka King. No, 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 no. It was me. It was it was. I had been in a band in Ann Arbor, a country band, and and we split up, and but decided we wanted to go to Nashville. And so I came here to be a songwriter and another guy named Herschel Freeman came to be a songwriter. And the third one was a woman named Lisa Silver, who was a great musician and songwriter as well. So we moved to Nashville and happened to move in next door to Ranger Doug. When you were in Ann Arbor, were you uh, going to the University of Michigan? Yes, I did. And I graduated. And so actually... Interesting fact, Ranger Doug also went to the University of Michigan. Really? And you met in Nashville? Yes. We lived, we lived on the same street in Nashville. I mean, in, in Ann Arbor. We enjoyed many a cottage inn pizza separately. <laughs> and then when I moved to Nashville, I moved in next door to him. It was like, it was like God saying, so, okay, done, I, <laughs> I have to ask, what were your majors in college? Mine was English, literature. Mine was wildlife management. See, he's using his degree. I was, I was going to say, <laughs> has that come in handy with the crowds? Maybe some yeah. like super fans, some ladies no, that follow you around and the band. you can use some wildlife management. Oh, those are the days. Those are the days. <laughs> yeah. So I have a personal story about the Riders in the Sky that I actually want to share with you guys. And actually, I thank you that I want to share with you guys. You've meant a lot to my family over the years, especially my father-in-law. And my father-in-law is actually how I came to know about the Riders in the Sky because he was a huge fan all of his life. He had all of your merchandise. He had a cacti and he'd wear the cacti and he would 
wear it inappropriately at inappropriate times to make his wife mad, <laughs> make my mother-in-law mad. And he just, you know, he had all of your music. He listened to your Christmas album all year long because he said, and I quote, it made his soul happy. Um, he'd seen you several times uh, live. He actually took me and my wife and my mother-in-law to see you. All, to, all of us went to see you um, in Northern Virginia, I think in Vienna, when you played there one time. And it was awesome. And it was a tremendous show. Afterwards, we actually came up and, and met you guys and you gave us autographs and it was just so wonderful. And so he adored you guys just forever and ever. He had everything that you guys put out. He just loved you. And um, recently in the past few years, he actually passed away. And I don't know if you remember this, but um, I sent you uh, a letter and asked you, hey, you know, Jim loved the Riders in the Sky. Do you mind just sending a message to him? And you not only sent a message to him, but you were at the Grand Ole Opry and you actually taped a video of yourselves playing Happy Trails to you for Jim. Do you remember this? Well, you sent you sent such a heartfelt letter, you know, it was like that's that was I was glad we could do that. That was one of the nicest things anybody's ever done for me, done for my family. And I just want you to know how much we appreciated that, how much Jim absolutely loved you and just how much you have meant to to me and my family and especially to my father-in-law, Jim. And this was this was so special. I just want to play it for everybody. Well, mighty fine and great big Western howdy. We are riders in the sky. We are backstage in our Grand Ole Opry dressing room, and we just got a note giving us the sad news that uh, old buddy Jim has uh, has passed away. So we send our our condolences and our sympathy and our love to the family, to his wife Debbie and the kids Jimmy and Sarah and Katie and Alyssa and. Uh, I'm down the trail, so let's do a song for him, boys. Happy trails to you until we meet again. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling until then. Who cares about the clouds when we're Sing a song and bring the sunny weather And happy trails to you Till we sweet okay um i'm sorry i'm just that was such a that's a really nice story um can you guys explain what you mean or what the cowboy way is for those of us who may not be initiated into it well in these difficult times of situation ethics you don't know where to turn ask yourself what would gene roy or tex or ranger doug do and that's the cowboy way. Oh, very nice. Okay, for everybody who's listening, they are um, looking pensively into the future or maybe the past, but they're but it's, it's a 
Yeah, very heroically. And right. it's a wonderful pose. It's a power pose. <laughs> I like it. It's it's terrific. Okay. That's a good cowboy way definition. And does this um uh if I am uncertain in these challenging times, I can I can access, I could tap into that cowboy way. Do I need a hat? Or is it really just Moxie? It, it helps, but oh, Moxie, okay. Moxie is good. Okay. Okay. So on my to-do list, I have to get a hat. A hat really makes it work. Can you do this? Go ahead and yes, try it. I'm trying. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Okay. This is exciting. Yeah. This is very yeah. exciting. Ranger Doug and Too Slim, do you mind telling us how the two of you and how the Riders in the Sky came to country and Western music? I think Ranger Doug had the uh, initial attraction. Although we all knew Western music, I think Ranger Doug was the the first one to be obsessed. <laughs> Good word. Do you think that's true, Ranger Doug? Mm-hmm. I do. I was obsessed with it. Uh, I I grew up hearing it uh, in uh, in my family and in Southern California, where we lived for a while. And uh, t- when I came back to it as an adult. It just was so meaningful, so poetic, uh, so not about broken hearts and falling off of bar stools, but instead about the glory of the West and the Western experience and the, the pioneer and cowboy experience. And uh, I just fell in love with it and uh, still am. <laughs> was there a lot of country music, um, you said, in your house growing up? Um, can you talk about like your parents? Were, were they big country music? Fans. I mean, when you went to college, I mean, Ann Arbor, you know, big country music scene there. (laughs) Well, there was a big folk scene. And so, you know, country was accepted as as part of that and bluegrass and old time string band music. And yeah, there was loads of it in Ann Arbor. Uh, I'll let Slim, of course, answer for himself. But my parents were uh, not especially musical, but my mother's family, uh, she was a Finnish uh, girl from Northern Michigan and, uh, the national barn dance was the show that they listened to up there, not the grand Ole Opry. And so two of my uncles, uh, my many uncles, two of them played the guitar and one of them yodeled. So, uh, every time we'd go to a family reunion or a gathering in the summer, my uncle Arvid or uncle Hank would take out his guitar, which I had that guitar in the other room. Uh, Hank gave it to me shortly before he died. And, uh, and they'd bang on the guitar. And then one day I started banging on it. My mother said, if you're going to bang on that thing, you're going to have to learn how to tune it. And we drove into a little town called Ishpeming, Michigan, and went to the music store and got a book that showed me how to tune the darn guitar instead of just making it up as I went. Uh, we we had a lot of music in the house, um, Broadway shows of the day and 45s. My mom would bring home 45s from the supermarket that you could get. But my older sister, who was 10 years older, was a huge, she was a big horse person as she remains to this day and um, was deep into Johnny Cash and Webb Pierce and Carl Smith and uh, uh, Wilburn Brothers and a lot of stuff that was going on and Farron Young going on in the 50s. So I heard that stuff constantly. As well as Glenn Miller and and uh, uh, 
the the pop songs of the day, you know, the teenage rock and roll songs and and stuff. So I heard a lot of that. But we also had the Sons of the Pioneers, and me, my sister moved to Montana and uh, married a cowboy, and so I spent all my summers out there stacking hay and 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 driving grain truck and painting her barns and stuff. And uh, and there was a lot 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 of live country music out there too. So I heard I heard a lot of it coming up. And then when I I uh, saw the Beatles on TV, it was like, okay, that's, I want to have that much fun, you know? <laughs> so, so I started playing rock and roll in high school and had a high school band. But then I went to college and didn't play music until after I got out of college when it was all I wanted to do. But Ann Arbor had um, Commander Cody uh, and the Lost Planet Airmen. There was a, there was a retro kind of country band and, and uh, Western Swing and and so there was, so we had, so we started a country band too and, and got popular and we were playing all around Ann Arbor and, and making a living and, and decided, well, shoot, let's, let's see what's in Nashville. Let's try that out. So that's, that's how I got there. And then, and then Ranger Doug would become, I, we started playing blue, he was playing bluegrass. And so I was playing bass with him and, and playing in his bluegrass band, but he would always trot out these great Western songs. Uh, the uh, Lord, you made the cowboy happy and these, these terrific uh, so song of the uh, prairie and stuff. And um, I'd never heard these songs. I knew a lot of songs. I'd never heard these songs before. And I said, where, where do these songs come from? And he said, well, this guy, Bob Nolan. I said, yeah, that, does he have any more songs like this? He said, yeah, 1200. What? <laughs> I said, oh, and so it was like this door opened to this whole music that, and there'd been a singing cowboy on the, I got to mention Buck Berry. He was a singing cowboy on TV in the fifties in Michigan, where I grew up in Grand Rapids. And he was, he yodeled and he had a, a trick horse and played guitar and uh, was a beloved figure in the, in the town. And, and I loved Buck Berry and uh, he was a, a formative influence on me on, uh, can you guys Cowboys entertainment? Can you guys see this framed letter up there? Yes. That's a letter from Bob Nolan, who wrote the oh, wow. liner notes to our first record album. Oh wow! No That's so kidding. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that is really neat. It's so cool. Yeah, it was. It was really neat. That it sounds like you are as excited today as uh, you were when you started. So I guess I have. Um, I have a couple of questions. One, does everybody say to you the line from the Blues Brothers? We got both kinds of music, country and Western. <laughs> and I, and then following that, um, because it sounds like you have so much fun. Do you guys also dance too? Are you good dancers or do you just find yourself really doing most of the singing? Uh, I'm a great dancer. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I can't tell if you're serious. No, you can't. So I better demonstrate. Okay. No. Okay. Can you see the floor? for the audience? We are watching some dancing. All right. This is all right. Can you see me? I can. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's the rabbit dance. That's the rabbit dance. That's a, on all on hands and knees. The rabbit dance. That's awesome. <laughs> and here's here's uh. Let's try the armadillo dance. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, if you were a college girl, you could have monetized that. Oh yeah. We got to get that on TikTok. I actually have monetized it. <laughs> that's it. You could do a series of TikToks. I get, oh God. Yes. That's a world, isn't it? It is. No? Yeah. I don't understand it, but my 15 year old tells me all about it. <laughs> So my exposure to this type of music is pretty much the riders in the sky. Uh, I was introduced to you guys through my father-in-law, through Jim. And uh, I just, I really enjoy your music. I think it's just so beautiful. The harmonies are so beautiful. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about your stage show was the comedy. Now, because I don't know anything about this type of music, is that something that's always been a part of this musical tradition or did you introduce that or was it always a part of the tradition and you took it to another level? Could you, could you tell us sort of the role of comedy in country Western and, and in the cowboy music? Well, the, there's always been uh, a comedic bass player. And a lot of times it's a guy with blacked out teeth, giant polka dots, <laughs> really, a, really a, a hillbilly kind of buffoon character. But they always had a, I mean, in country music shows, they used to have comedy. I mean, they all, Roy Acuff had a uh, a comedy spot and Porter Wagner had Speck Rhodes, you know, they all had, all the bluegrass bands had somebody. And and uh, so that there is a long tradition that is part of the whole entertainment experience. It's not like hearing a record, you know, it's an experience. You want you want to draw people in and and, uh, and be funny. And, and I like to think that I raised the bar a little bit in the quality of the comedy. I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite parts of your stage show is when you would be playing a song and then all of you would sort of pull on your belts and pull your pants a little tighter. And then everybody would start singing a, in a higher octave yeah. or in a higher key. <laughs> yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a Woody Palm move. That's a Woody Palm move. The, uh, and Gene Autry and... Uh, Roy Rogers and all those guys, as they toured, always had comedians, sometimes two. That was putting on a show. That was not just standing there and singing. I mean, they, they did horse tricks. They did uh, they had comedians. They had instrumentalists. They had rope tricks. You know, it was just, uh, this, is, this is a show. And that's what we wanted to do from the beginning. I mean, we, we had a campfire at the very first show. We carried live cactus on stage. Ranger Doug had a six-foot saguaro cactus in a big wash tub kind of thing in dirt. It weighed like 100 pounds. And we'd lug that in to the club. And the, the club owner is like, well, where's your sound? Where are your amplifiers? Well, we don't have any amplifiers. But we have this really big cactus. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Well, again, it was it was – we always wanted it to be a show. We wanted to entertain ourselves because we'd all been in bands where we were really uh, bored. This was a chance for us to, to stretch out and amuse ourselves as well as the audience. We've seen so many bands where uh, the musicians are obviously bored and they don't do anything but tune between songs and then mumble something and then do the next song. I don't want to be like that. I want to have fun. Too Slim, I know this is going to seem a bit disjointed here for me to insert this question here, but I have to ask it while I remember because you mentioned the Beatles earlier and you mentioned being a fan of the Beatles. And I have to just ask you this question because I was doing research for this show and in my notes it says, you played some 
pretty significant role in the Paul McCartney is dead hoax. Is this true? That's true. Oh, my gosh. Okay, spill the beans. Let's go. Yeah, start at the very beginning. That's true. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I was uh, I was working for the, the student newspaper, the Michigan Daily, and uh, my assignment was to review Abbey Road. So uh, I wrote the review of Abbey Road as a um, satirical piece saying that Paul had died in a car wreck in 1966 and that this information, they didn't want anybody to know about it. So they, re they replaced him with another guy, a guy named William Campbell from Edinburgh. And, and they uh, released this information to the world via clues on record album covers and embedded in the music as the basis of a, a new religion. And they did it because, as John said, Paul always liked a good joke. So I created this whole ridiculous scenario and it ran on the arts page. So it was like, to my mind, it was clearly a satire. But the world bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. And I became overnight this sort of notorious character. And it just went coast to coast and then around the world. And so you've got, you've got Paul McCartney, who I idolize as, you know, one of the, the most influential musicians, certainly bass players of all time and, and song titan of songwriting and, and whatnot of the 20th century, having to stand in front of his house and say, look, I'm alive. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I have to say, but I'm alive. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's, that's the story. <laughs> does, does McCartney know your role in any of this? You know, I, I think he might, I don't know. I've never met him. I'd love to meet him. I think he, he obviously gets the joke and, and I sold so many records for them because people were playing them backwards and, and, uh, you know, it was such, it was such a phenomenon. Still waiting for the check. Yeah. Or a fruit basket. You know, that's true. A good edible arrangement at this point. Exactly. Sir Paul, if you're listening, we know that you're a fan. If you are listening right now to Utterly Moderate, edible okay. arrangement, please send. Yes. Riders in the sky. Randall Opry. <laughs> you know, um, my sister-in-law, Mary, went to the University of Michigan right around the time that you did. So I just texted her and said, do you know Riders in the Sky? And she said, I didn't know that they went to Michigan. Can you please um, say that your super fans from the OK Theater in Enterprise, Oregon, send their best to you. Well, how great. And uh, hello from your fans in Willowa County. And then M, go blue. And go blue. All right. Mm -hmm. well, from Mary in Willowa. Well, small world. It is what I said. Um, yeah. Are you guys excited to get back and touring? You, I think your first concert is May 8th. Is that true? We've played a couple of times. We were we were having such a good year last year until March 13th. And that, well, for all of us. And then just touring just, just ended. And I went without playing for by far the longest time in my life since in the last 50 years. But now it's come back. You know, it's, we're, we're seeing some, some movement out there. And... Uh, uh, Dates that kept being pushed back are, are 
seem to be holding a little bit for the fall and and into uh, into, into twenty twenty two. So we'll see. But it was brutal. I mean, it was really. I mean, I can. I'm good at doing nothing. So I'm. I had that to fall back on. But uh, what about you, Ranger Doug? How'd you feel about it? Well, I felt completely lost. I just uh, didn't know what to do with myself. I've done nothing but play music and think about it for 50, 60 years. And uh, suddenly I'm completely at, at, at sea. And I miss playing with people and I miss playing for people. And you can practice all you want at home. But, uh, you know, I know what I can do. And it, I'm kind of bored with it. So <laughs> it was really great to get back and play with people again. Yeah, we're back. To, I'm sorry. I just be, play, play with your friends. I was emphasizing yeah. people you'd love yeah. to play with. Play with good musicians again, and and mm -hmm. be in front of people. The Opry has been kind of a godsend because they're they've opened opened up socially distant, so we get to be in front of a real audience. And there's a there's just a people are so glad to be out. Uh huh. <laughs> The audiences have been really electric, and uh, and and we have been so glad to be out and playing together. So we'll be there this weekend at the at yep. the Opry, and and got a couple dates in May, and then a couple in June, and then it picks up a little bit further on into the fall. So if you go catch the Riders live this fall, which I would encourage you to do, because they are an excellent live act. Their music is beautiful. They're funny. They're family friendly. One of the songs you'll probably hear, I would guess, would be one of my favorite songs from the Riders in the Sky, Cool Water. Here's a short snippet. Water, water, cool, clear water. All day I faced the barren waste without the taste of water. Cool water, water. Old Dan and I with throats burned dry and souls that cry for water. Cool water, clear water, water, cool, clear water. The nights are cool and I'm a fool, each star's a pool of water. Cool water, water. But with the dawn I'll wake and yawn and carry on to water Cool water, clear water, water, cool clear water mentioned a few times now the Grand Ole Opry I think it was back in the early 80s if I'm not mistaken that you were inducted as a group into the Opry can you tell us a little bit about that particular venue and other venues that you really enjoy playing like the Opry well gosh we you know idolized the Opry since we were kids and and uh so many of the performers that uh I mean just like legends and and there we get to play with them and meet them and hang out with them in the backstage. Roy Acuff and Bill Monroe and Ernest Tubb and 
when we got the band going, I arranged to get us on as a guest spot because uh, I knew some people there. <laughs> and that led to a few more guest spots. And uh, eventually they, uh, I think they really liked us because we were funny, for one. Number two, we weren't like any other artist on there. So we weren't just another or, or any kind of competition. We were completely different. Number three, you know, Western can fall under the umbrella of uh, country music. And uh, it, they didn't have any on the show. We're the only Western act. And uh, so they eventually just said, would you like to become members? And we thought it over for a quarter of a second and said, yes. <laughs> uh, Ernest Tubb uh, was the man who graciously introduced us on uh, June 19th, 1982, our first night. You mentioned being the only Western act at the Opry, and I believe you're the only Western act to have won a Grammy, and you've won two. So can you tell us how you came to work on Toy Story 2 and winning a Grammy and being introduced to a whole new generation of Riders fans? Well, uh, there was a, a guy that worked for Pixar who was a fan who I think had seen us when we played it somewhere in California. So when they were, uh, when they were scripting, uh, a toy story two, they needed a theme song for Woody's, uh, TV shows, fifties TV show. So, uh, Randy Newman wrote the song, a little 32nd piano demo. And, uh, and they were, they looked us up on the guy. And this guy said at a story meeting, the way I got it anyway, it was like, well, I know who should do this. It's writers in the sky. So they called up, they went on the, the internet and, and downloaded yodeling and, and said, yeah, that's, that's the deal. So they called us up and we said, yeah. And, and, and Randy called us up. We had a, a conference call with him and we said, how do you want this arranged? And he said, I heard your records. You guys know what you're doing. So you just do it. So we were like, okay. <laughs> and I said, well, there was no second verse. So I said, well, I can write a second verse. <laughs> <laughs> which I still get shit from, from these guys. And, and, he said, <laughs> and the great Randy, Randy Newman, there's a, there's a sort of a marvelous beat. And then he says, no, I, th I said, I think I've got that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we arranged it. We, we tried it out on the road for a couple of weeks and then went out to LA and, and cut it. And it, it wound up being a big part of the movie and also ran over the end credits of uh of the movie and it was just us i mean it was just uh they didn't want anything except what we did and uh, it continued our our relationship with pixar then continued on after that then the album came out and we we wrote songs for the album and and uh, uh based on toy story 2 and and that was the first grammy and so a few years later you're back on monsters inc which you win another grammy for it was that just they knew you, they liked what you had done, and they hit you back up for more? Exactly. That's exactly how it was. There was a short subject before uh, Monsters, Inc. called For the Birds. Remember, <gasps> I remember For that? the Birds. Yes, yeah. with all the birds on the telephone wire. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. That's us. That was you. Oh, I love that. That's terrific. That music. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful beer. It won the Oscar that year, as a matter of yeah. fact. Yeah. So – so the the uh, oh, kitty. So the uh, uh, my cat just walked in. So 
He, he knows we're talking about birds. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we then they said we'll, we'll do an album about monsters songs. So I think it's I dare say it's the only song about monsters, the only album by a Western band about monsters to win a Grammy. I think that's new ground. In the history of the recording industry. <laughs> history of the recording. So I got to ask you, uh, where do you keep your Grammys? Because I think about myself, maybe it's because I'm too vain or I think more likely I just have a low self-esteem and I'm just like, you know, super insecure. But, uh, you know, if my, my kids were getting out of line or if I wanted to big time somebody, I could sort of nod over silently at my Grammys. Uh, where do you keep the Grammys? Good luck with your kids because they don't they don't really care. <laughs> Two Slim is giving us an MTV Cribs style tour oh, now. Oh, cool. All right. Oh, hey, there, there it is, right on top of your piano. Oh, both of them. That is so cool. Yeah. And I have a fireplace upstairs in my bedroom, and uh, they sit on top of the mantle of that fireplace. Oh, that's nice. Well, here's something that's cool in my office. I'm not sure if you can see it yet. That, that's the, the map. map. All the places we played. Oh, oh wow, that's cool. 4,760-some and and shows, yes. Every oh, state. 4,000? Mm-hmm. 760-something no, shows? 7,000. Yeah. 7,000? 7, 7, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and those are not shows. Those are appearances. So ah. if, you do, if you do two shows somewhere, you don't get credit for that. That's oh just gosh. one appearance. Oy. So that's even more. What are some of the like sort of coolest places you've been, something out of the way that you thought, now this won't be great. And then you got there and you thought, holy cats. The Hollywood Bowl to me was the, the top show we've done. That was, the, that was just Ooh, the coolest cool. of the cool. Yeah. With the, with the uh, Hollywood Bowl Orchestra. Yep. That was, that was amazing. Uh, I think uh, – Mount Aso in Japan sticks in my mind. Yeah. Big festival there. No fish today in Baltimore. <laughs> it was an absolute dive bar. And we played there in 1981. It's where I met my wife. Okay. Keep going. I want the story. Sorry. I'm just, I'm all about the romance. Keep going. <laughs> so there you were. You're in the hat and she is where? She came, she wore a hat. She was wearing a hat too. Okay. Yeah. I've got to get a hat. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, uh, getting a hat's good. And uh yeah, she her I was supposed to meet a folk dancer there who didn't show up. And and there's a there was this lovely person and she had on a bib front shirt and she was kind of cowboyed out with a great hat and she went and got us soup. We were broke down, we didn't have any money, we we were it was cold, it was snowing. And uh, so she went out and got a soup and uh, we just started, we fell in love and had 37 years and two kids and, and a great, just a great run, just a great run. And then she died a couple of three years ago. Oh, I'm oh, sorry I'm to so hear that. Sorry. No, it's yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But we had, we had, the, we had a run like, and she was hugely important for writers in the sky in terms of uh, stage design and clothes and and uh, 
and all the the mercantile and the merchandising and and the creative force and energy that she brought was something to see. Gosh, she must have been impressive because I remember when I saw you guys live, one of the things that impressed me was your your stage clothes and the backdrops. I mean, everything was so vivid and so beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I'm very sorry to hear that, too, Slim. Um, It sounds like she was absolutely wonderful, and it sounds like you guys had something very special. And um, I don't have any way to transition away from that. That's not heartbreaking, but given the love you had for each other, maybe we can continue on that theme of love and and talk to Ranger Doug about a recent event in your life. I believe that you recently got married, I was reading. I I did. I have a, a romance story that's just as wonderful, but very different. When we were just starting Riders in the Sky, I went up to Billboard magazine to try to promote this crazy act that nobody thought would work. And the and this little secretary was there and she was a bombshell. And I just, uh, we hit it off and she was so sweet. She was, but she was very young. She was 21 and I was married. So it didn't go anywhere. But in 1988, I was single. She was single. We hit it off <laughs> and it was torrid, but brief. And then a couple of years ago, uh, I got uh, dumped <laughs> and I said, Desi, are you, are you still single? <laughs> she said, yes. And uh, it was just magic all over again. I, I never met anybody so positive, so happy, so loving. And we're just having the best time. Congratulations. That is a great, <laughs> both of those are really great stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, uh, Tuslim, you have kids. I do. Four uh, kids. Rain- Four of them? Yeah. And Ranger Doug, how about you? Five. Five. Oh, my gosh. Do your kids live close by? And do you get to see them? Has COVID been real tough? COVID's been great for me because I get to see my grandkids all the time. And oh, my, my kids all live in right around me, right close by. My son lives across the creek from me here. So, uh, yeah. It's, so, it's 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 been um, – when my little – grandsons were were trying to manage virtual fifth and third grade and and their mom was working and plus going to get her master's in social work so i uh i got to do a lot of time with them which was just wonderful we had such That's a good terrific. time yeah yeah so i get to see him a lot well uh my two oldest live far away one lives in nebraska and the other in california but the other three uh, live here in Nashville, and my granddaughters live in Nashville. And I see them just about every week. Two little girls are just about the same ages as Slim's uh, little boys. So, Ranger Doug, it seems like you have a couple irons in the fire these days. You have a new book, um, and you also have a Sirius XM show, too. Is that true? Uh, both of those are true, although the book is still uh, a manuscript. It doesn't have a publisher yet. It has- it has a publisher that's interested, but it, uh, what's the book about? Back in the 1920s, there was this core of very influential country music performers. When record companies learned that people would buy records by hillbillies, they uh, began to make them. 
And uh, some of those people, if you watch Ken Burns special, you you have heard of Jimmy Rogers, the Carter family. Well, there there was a tremendously successful guy that people have written off as a city billy named Vernon Dalhart. And uh, he had the first uh, hit record in country music, Million Seller, called The Prisoner's Song. Well, the guy that partnered with him wrote over 400 songs. He was country music's first professional songwriter. And uh, his name was Carson J. Robison. He was a studio singer, songwriter, studio guitarist, played in pop bands and wrote almost 400 wonderful country songs, including Barnacle Bill the Sailor, if you ever heard that. And uh, he had a hit as late as 1948 with a tune called Life Gets Tejas, Don't It, if you remember that one. But he also had many, many uh, popular songs through the years and was a radio star, recording star. Yeah, I think he is the second most number of recording sessions as an artist in country music history, at least before World War II. Vernon Dalhart, way off the charts. Oh, but he did like 1,100 different releases. So he's an interesting guy, and he hasn't got his due. There are books about Jimmy Rogers and Vernon Dalhart and the Carter family and uh, Bob Wills and Bill Monroe and... Uh, Hank Snow, but there's no book about Carson J. Robison. And I just always thought it was unfair. Uh, When the COVID hit, I had uh, a lot of time. (laughs) And and so I just started working on it. And uh, when the libraries began to open up again in the fall, I went out to Kansas, where he was from. All his papers were, his wife left all his papers at the Pittsburgh State University in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And, uh, knocked around those little towns he grew up in. And I just have a real interesting book about a real interesting character. And I hope, I hope this publisher, I will not name, but it's an academic press. I hope they'll put it out. Now the Sirius XM show in which we play Carson Robinson, <laughs> as well as Gene and Roy and Tex and Rex and the sons of the pioneers, and Andy Parker and the Plainsman and such, you know, we have the, we have a sidekick named side meat. Side meet and I go up uh, and record these shows and flights of about 13. It takes several days. I've, I've put together the music in advance and it's all stuff from the twenties, thirties, forties and fifties and very little modern, except we play riders in the sky because it's my show and we can do what we want. <laughs> That's a good move. That's a good move. But you got to have a sidekick in the show right here. Got you? to. You got to have a guy that comes in and interrupts and misses the point. And that's my job. And he's a master. Thank you. It's on uh, Sirius XM Channel 59. That's Willie's Roadhouse. And it's on Friday nights, Saturday nights, and Sunday mornings for an hour. Now, you guys seem so easygoing and so fun-loving. And on stage, you're so funny. But... You know, somebody, I have a sneaking suspicion that somebody in the band is is really kind of the taskmaster that's keeping everybody's nose to the grindstone. I was looking at your discography and over multiple decades, you're putting out albums like every year, every two years. It's just this clip that was just much faster than most artists. So who's the one that's keeping everybody's nose to the grindstone to just keep going and going and going? I mean, that work ethic is so impressive to me anyway. I think in the early days, it was completely a joint effort. 
we all were so on fire with it. And Ranger Doug was writing songs. Woody was writing songs. And it, would you agree with that, Ranger Doug? That it was that it. I mean, I don't think anybody emerged as the taskmaster. We all wanted to keep doing it so much. I mean, it was we were just if we weren't doing one nighters, we were either writing shows, which is what I was doing a lot of, or uh, writing songs, or in the studio. It was like. We had months upon months and without a day off. We just worked continually for years and years and years. But we all, we all loved it so much that we, that we did it. We still do. I mean, it's just what, what we do. Plus, there was, there was all this, there was a body of Western work out there that, that we want to, I mean, the, besides the original songs, there was this whole catalog and, and, uh, uh, of, fabulous western music that nobody was playing i mean these these great songs that nobody was hearing and they they sounded new somehow they sounded fresh when we did them so we you know there was always material we didn't have to generate like a whole album's worth of material ranger doug would write four or five songs that that fit smack in the tradition woody would write two or three songs and uh and and then plus we had like these hundreds of folk songs and movie songs and standards of of uh of western in the western genre so a lot of great material now you guys work way too hard to ever call it a career and i bet you'll go on for decades and decades but at this point in your career when you look back over the course of your entire career which particular moments are are really special which ones are particularly sentimental for each of you? Ooh. The first time, first show at Hare Harry's Franks and Steins, which was a beer joint here in town playing for the door. Ranger Doug and me and a guy named Bill Collins. That was, and it was fun that night and different and wacky. And there were 12 inebriates at the bar who were... (laughs) clearly loving it and we loved it and and said America will pay to see this in some in some form so that's that's my fir- my first one your turn ranger doug oh i think uh playing with roy rogers uh, mm. on Haw, that would that was awfully big and and getting to meet a lot of the singing cowboys and like eddie dean and jimmy wakeley and Gene Autry, of course, and and they were they weren't saying to us, "You guys are poaching our material," you know, our, "You're you're you're capitalizing on our sound." They said just the opposite. You boys are keeping this alive. We love it. Keep it up, you know. And that just that gave us so much uh, impetus to keep going, even at the early days when we were broke and <laughs> weren't making any money at all. Yeah. And Roy, Roy coming to the shows, Roy, we, yeah. we played out when he was out there in Victorville. And so Roy and Dusty are sitting at a table, like right in front of the stage, which is like, I'm entering the movie, you know, it was like, <laughs> I could hardly talk. So thrilling. I can't, I can't really describe it. It's just so thrilling. At this stage in your career with all of the times that you've played and all of the success that you've had and, you know, traveling the world over, 
do you still catch yourself in a moment on stage looking around like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe this is us. I can't believe that we get to do this. Oh yeah. Oh, a lot. Oh yeah. And every, every time we play the Opry, I mean, we'll be there tomorrow night. And every time I walk on that stage, it's like, oh my God, you know, it's, I never, it's not just a show to me. It's like part of my journey. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's important to me. Well, before we go, I just want to thank you both so much. You meant so much to my late father-in-law, Jim. And, uh, this episode really is, is for Jim. And, uh, you know, he was the, the kindest man that you'd ever be privileged to meet. And if, uh, if somebody could mean as much to that man as the riders in the sky meant to Jim, <laughs> then they must've been pretty special. So, um, I would have loved you anyway, because Jim loved you so much, but, uh, coming to know you through Jim, I've come to know that you guys are just tremendous. And, uh, in fact, when you sent that video after shortly after Jim passed, I was so unbelievably touched. I think I went into your online store and bought every single item in there. So uh, I even bought a cacti. And in the, in honor of my 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 uh, my my father in law Jim, who used to wear that cacti to inappropriate outings, um, I'm gonna wear it to annoy my wife now. So <laughs> I just I want to thank you both. And you walk in the door and say, black tie, I thought it said. Cacti. (laughs) Well, I hope we play in Pennsylvania soon. And so we get to meet you guys in person. Thank you both so much. This is terrific. Yeah, it's fun. Thank you, guys. It was really fun. The pleasure was all ours. Thank you guys so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. We're going to play you out with some Riders in the Sky. Happy trails to you Until we meet again Happy trails to you Keep smiling until then Who cares about the clouds when we're together Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather Happy trails to you Till we meet again trails to you until we meet again happy trails to you keep smiling until then who cares about the clouds when we're together just sing the song and bring the sunny weather happy trails to you
goodbye, good luck, and may the good Lord take a liking to you.